Good morning, I'm Arlie Schlanger from the LaRouche Organization with your daily update for January 17th, 2022. I'm going to begin today with an update on the situation in Afghanistan. Uh, this, this morning in the United States at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time will be a conference sponsored by the Schiller Institute on the topic to stop the murder of Afghanistan. This is something we've been campaigning for for uh, quite a bit of time, that the, in the aftermath of the U.S. withdrawal, a situation was left of incredibly disastrous humanitarian crisis. Uh, the combination of the ravages of wars for 40 years, the cutoff of funds from international agencies and from the United States government, and the freezing of funds that are belong to the Afghan people that are being held in the U.S. Federal Reserve, uh, by the U.S. Treasury, and by several banks internationally. Over $9 billion in urgently needed funds have been frozen. We've been campaigning for the release of those funds as a mobilization to save people, including the women and children that the Biden administration and NATO seem to be crying so much over as to their effect of the Taliban running Afghanistan while they're being starved by the withholding of funds from the West. Uh, the Warhawks obviously have refused to accept the defeat and they're trying to punish the children of Afghanistan for their failure to win a war uh, allegedly against the uh, war against terror. Now the reality is that freezing funds is a cruel war crime. The continuation of sanctions is a war crime because it's leading to the possibility that between 9 and 20 million people will starve to death. According to the World Food Program's David Beasley, the danger is that there are more than 9 million people, including over 4 million children, who are dangerously malnourished and in need of food. Uh, in some areas, there's food on the shelves, but not much. But people don't have any money. The banks are closed. The funds have been frozen. There's no money in circulation. And as a result, star people are already starving and freezing. Now, the argument is that well, we don't want to help the Taliban. Well, they're the government now. And by not helping the people of Afghanistan to punish the Taliban, you're actually punishing the children and the future. This is an anti-American, anti-human rights policy and has to change. Now, in the last days, it seems our message is beginning to resonate as there have been other voices joining ours. Uh, besides the World Food Program's David Beasley, who's been consistently out front on this, uh, the International Crisis Group put out a statement saying funds are desperately needed to stop famine, migration, terrorism, and drugs. Keep in mind that besides the, the problem of famine, if you have mass migration, you're going to be creating problems for the neighboring countries. You're going to radicalize the population if they're aware that they're being starved because of animus against Taliban. On top of which, Taliban is fighting terrorists right now. They're fighting the Al-Qaeda ISIS remnants that exist in, in Afghanistan. And if there's no money coming in, they have no option but to resort to drugs. So it's a no-brainer. And that's what the International Crisis Group said. The United Nations has come out fairly strongly on this, calling for aid, although a, a tiny amount. 
Uh, the New York Times even came out saying that aid is necessary, the Financial Times, but both of their reports were understated. Helga Zeplerouche has launched something called Operation Ibn Sina, uh, named after a famous doctor, med uh, scientist, uh, Arab scholar from the 12th century who was famous all the way up to the present for his, his uh, observations and his work, but he's from the area of Afghanistan. The idea of Operation Ibn Sina is to build up a healthcare network inside Afghanistan, not just to deal with the immediate emergency, but to demonstrate that cooperation among nations can address the underdevelopment, which is the legacy of colonialism. So you can go to the SchillerInstitute.com website to register for our conference today to stop the murder of Afghanistan, which begins at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Now let me pivot to an update on Kazakhstan, because this is actually quite crucial for looking at a kick in the teeth that the Warhawks just got. They were trying to run a destabilization of Kazakhstan, which is a very large nation. It's, it's underpopulated, but very large borders both Russia and China, very rich in terms of raw materials and resources, um, but still affected by the legacy of the post-Soviet era, vast division between the super wealthy oligarchs and the rest of the population. But there was an attempt to launch a color revolution in Kazakhstan. Now, the way a color revolution unfolds is you take a legitimate concern of the people, in this case, the anger about the doubling of fuel prices as the liquefied uh, petroleum costs went through the roof. Uh, they were doubled because of changes in the way that they were priced and the spot market uh, speculation. And so people were out in the street protesting. But those protests were uh, joined by armed groups that included people who were called bandits, gangs, and terrorists. In fact, they discovered, as they were rounding them up, that there were people from ISIS and Al-Qaeda who had come to Kazakhstan from Afghanistan, from training in Iraq and Syria. And what happened is the president of uh, Kazakhstan called on the, the uh, Collective Security Treaty Organization, SESTO, to send in troops to help them. What Putin said after reviewing what had happened is that they were using Maidan technology. In other words, the methods that were used to overthrow the government of Ukraine in February 2014 to do the same with the so-called color revolution in Kazakhstan. And they've uncovered evidence that Al-Qaeda and ISIS were involved. Uh, I mean, one example, the rampaging rioters were beheading policemen. Now, protesting gas prices doesn't require you to behead a policeman. Uh, so the obvious goal was to bring down the Kazakh government and using the anger over gas prices as a cover. Now, when this was put down, it was shut down quickly. And you had the idiot Blinken say, Russia will never leave. Well, the Russians sent between 2,500 and 3,000 troops. They did their job, and then they left. And what Putin said is that there will be no more color revolutions. The Russians recognize that the Ukraine operation was the last time they're going to allow something like this to occur. 
where a nation on their borders is destabilized for the sake of advancing color revolution inside Russia, or in the case of Kazakhstan, inside China, because Kazakhstan borders the area of Xinjiang province where the Uyghur separatists and terrorists live. Now, I, I just want to hit, hit a rumor that's out in the United States, which is that the demonstrators were demonstrating against mask and vaccine mandates. And there may have been some of those initially that were out there. But the uprising as a whole was around the gas prices, but it was used as an excuse the way the Soros-deployed mobs always do. They use anger about an event or uh, a, uh, uh, some kind of corruption to then infiltrate mobs of terrorists targeting the government, burning buildings, government buildings, killing security officers, taking over the Almaty airport. And that's the way color revolutions work. Now, this was designed to disrupt the U.S.-Russian talks, which were underway last week, and I'll have more on that in tomorrow's update, but also designed to destabilize Central Asia, because Central Asia is where Eurasian integration is taking place at an accelerating pace based on the Belt and Road Initiative and the connection between countries in Eastern Europe and Russia with Asian nations. This is what the Anglo-American bankers fear the most. Go back and read Halford Mackinder. Read the old geopoliticians who said the greatest threat to the power of the British Empire is a union, an economic union, between Western and Central European nations and Eurasian nations. That's what they fear today. And why do they fear it? Because Russia and China oppose the Great Reset the global central bankers' dictatorship, and oppose the Green New Deal. That's why they're being targeted in Ukraine and Taiwan. And it's time for American patriots to get smart and realize that if you want to bring down the globalists, the Soroses, the Warhawks, the neoliberals, our greatest potential allies right now would be Russia and China, who are carrying out economic reforms modeled on the American system that Donald Trump said he supported. That's why he was attacked. That's why Russia and China are attacked. And I think it's important that American patriots get their heads on straight on this issue and not fall for the psychological warfare and propaganda coming from the globalists. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, go to our website, SchillerInstitute.com, to catch the conference, the, the very powerful conference today on how to reverse the situation in Afghanistan and use it as a model for cooperation among nations for economic development.